All right, we're going to go to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to talk about this tonight. Uh, uh, the Gospel of Mark lends itself to a very needy subject we've got to deal with tonight, tonight and next week on baptism. John the Baptist and his baptism. Now, we just started working through the Gospel of Mark, and it is the shortest Gospel of the four Gospels, but it is packed. This is your 41st book of the Bible, the 40th being Matthew. And um, uh, it, is, it is 16 chapters, 678 verses. Doesn't sound like much to you. You know, what does all that mean? Well, it is actually half the size of the Gospel of Luke. You can read it in about two hours if you just sit down and read the Gospel of Mark. It was written for a wide audience. It wasn't written for just the Jews. Uh, it was mainly written for anyone and everyone. It is an action book. The text flows quickly from scene to scene to scene. It's like a, like a fast-paced movie. You're just following the life of Christ in a very rapid way. It is also a brief synopsis, a brief summary of the life of Jesus. John says in chapter 20, if you tried to write all that Jesus said and tried to record all the things that he did, the world couldn't contain all the books. So it's amazing that you can squeeze down the most important parts of the life of Christ into one book called the Gospel of Mark. It focuses on Jesus' role as a suffering servant. Everything he was doing, he was doing for others. Now, you see that sometimes in the other uh, Matthew, Mark, uh, Matthew, Luke, and John. But in Matthew, Luke, and John, it's a lot of his teaching, whereas Mark is just do, do, do. He is working flat out as a servant. Um, and uh, it's focusing um, his role as a suffering servant. It is a great introduction to the Christian faith. You're going to deal with subjects that every Christian needs to know that they know. So um, uh, it's a great summary of all that. Now let's meet John the Baptist. We're going to do Mark chapter 1. Starting in Mark 1, we're going to read four verses, verses 4 to 8, five verses. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to, uh, would you do me the favor of standing with me and we'll read out loud together. Mark chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. <clears throat> Let's begin starting verse 4. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. Let's begin. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Now, when we start to talk about John, he is the forerunner of somebody the Bible calls the Messiah. He was someone, a special someone, who would actually announce the arrival of the Messiah. Jesus was not just going to come onto the scene. He, it was predicted that there would be somebody who would say, he's here, and he would get everybody ready for him. He, John is prophesied and predicted about throughout Bible history. And John had a big job. He wasn't just announcing Jesus was here. He had a job of turning the nation of Israel to God to get them ready for the Messiah. What an immense job he had. 
Now go to Matthew chapter 11. I want you to see that John was the greatest prophet of all time. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 7. Matthew 11 and verse 7. <clears throat> As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see when they heard him preach? A reed shaken with the wind. Did you just see somebody who was just flowing back and forth? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, he was more than a prophet. For behold, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the coming kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take that kingdom by force. For all the prophets and all the law prophesied until John. So John is the pinnacle before the coming of Christ. So a pretty important guy when you talk about John being the forerunner of the Messiah. Not only is he the forerunner of the Messiah, he also is a preacher. He is a preacher. You find him there in Mark. You find him with a loud and strong voice. Think about it. He did not put out leaflets and say, come hear me preach out of the wilderness. He didn't set up down at the local inn or hotel and have a meeting there. He was out in the middle of nowhere, and yet people heard him. People said, we've got to go and hear him again. People came for, for 40 and 50 miles away to come and hear him preach. He had a voice, and he had something that he said loud and clear. He preached prophecy. Hold on here. He preached prophecy and repentance. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, in verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. When you think of wilderness, what do you think of? What kind of visual comes into your mind when you think wilderness? Hmm? Desert, no man's land. Okay, so he's not in the most comfortable places. You're in a good place. It's warm, amen? You have comfortable chairs. In the morning we have tea and scones. We're pretty comfortable. But where John was preaching, he was out in the middle of the wilderness, preaching, verse 2, and saying, Repent ye. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached prophecy, and he preached repentance. That there was a long-awaited kingdom of heaven was just at the door, and that all men must repent to enter into it. Now, as the preacher, and I want you to understand the difference between a teacher and a preacher. A teacher presents facts. A preacher expects you to respond. And John demanded his audience to respond in the following ways. Number one, he demanded that they repent. Now, repentance simply is a change of heart about your own sin. It is a sorrow about your wrongdoing. In other words, it's being very sorry about how you are. Repentance is not complicated. It's you realizing how you are. It is a brokenness about being unable to change the way you are. 
Repentance doesn't change you. Did you know that? Repentance never saved anybody. Repentance makes you soft and broken so God can save you. It is 100% necessary for somebody, if they're going to get saved, for them to humble themselves before God and say, I'm lost. I'm without hope. I don't have any goodness in me. Now you're ready to get saved. Repentance is the first thing that has to take place in the heart of somebody. It never saves anybody, but it makes them ready to be saved. Now, um, the second thing he demanded was public baptism to show repentance. He, he said, you cannot just say, I'm sorry. He actually demanded people who were owning up to sin, he, he demanded of them public humiliation. Take your Bible, turn to Mark, you're in uh, Matthew, go, go to the right, find Mark chapter 1. In verse 4. Mark 1 and verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and he preached the baptism of what? Repentance for the remission of sins. Um, and uh, go to Luke. We'll just do some uh, extra cross references here. Luke chapter 3. One more book to the right. Luke chapter 3 and verse 3. And we find these same words. <clears throat> so when you think about this was not the baptism of appreciation. This was not the baptism of worship. This was the baptism of what? Of repentance. It was a humiliating act of you allowing a Nazarite, which means his hair was long and matted. He hadn't cut his hair since birth. He had not touched wine or grapes or raisins or anything. He was totally dedicated to God. And this guy out of the middle of the river in front of everybody took you and baptized you under the water. And he was doing it as a mark of humiliation. It was not, I'm worshiping you, God. It was not. It was, I'm humbling myself. Luke 3, 3 says this, and he came into all the country about Jordan preaching this baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, let's go to the third part because this is where confusion comes in. It says, do we get baptized for the remission of sins? Let's see. He demanded that people prepare for the remission of sins, not to receive the remission of sins from John. Stop and breathe for a minute. Baptism was in water, all right? And water never saved anyone. He was not saying you get baptized in order to be your sins to be remitted because it's not possible for water to remove sin ever. Only the Messiah can remove our sin. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3. <clears throat> Speaking of the Messiah, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4. Watch these words. Surely he, circle the word he, hath borne our griefs carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of who? 
So God was judging him, and he was afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are being healed? No, we are healed. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And what the Lord do? The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 tells you the Messiah was going to take the iniquity of the whole world and put it on himself, and it would bring spiritual healing. Go to John chapter 1, Gospel of John. John chapter 1. If anybody should have said that water would save, it should have been John. But John's about to tell you who would take away sin. Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away, how much sin? The sin of the whole world. You get that. If Jesus Christ is going to take away the sin of the world, what left is there for water to take away? Nothing. Go to Matthew 26. Go back to the left, find Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 28. <clears throat> Jesus is, is holding up a cup at the Last Supper, and he holds up that cup, and listen to what he says. This is my what? All right, so he's referring to that grape juice, and he's saying in symbolic terms, this is a picture of my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Why? Say it with me. Say it loud. For the remission of sins. So when John the Baptist was demanding people to get baptized for the remission of sins, he was not in competition with Jesus. He was not saying, I can remit your sins, and then there's Jesus who will remit other sins. Not at all. He was saying, I want you to get baptized in preparation for the remission of sins. Go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> Acts chapter 10 and verse 43. Acts 10, 43, to him, to Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever is baptized. Is that what it says? Say it with me. What is it? Whosoever, I didn't hear you. Whosoever believeth in him shall receive, what's our key word? The remission of sins. I was listening to somebody yesterday say very clearly, it is not by faith alone that a person gets saved. And I just wanted to scream. It is not by faith. You've got to stay the narrow path. You've got to keep going, and you've got to keep living it, or else you'll never get to heaven. That is a lie, folks. The Bible says very clearly, all the prophets say it, all the Bible says it, that through his name and faith in his name, whosoever just believes in him receives the remission, the removal of sin. When do we hear the word remission? When do we use that word today? With cancer, that it's in remission. It means it's going away. And if you want your sins to be taken away, baptism will not do it. Jesus will. Let's go to Acts chapter 13 and verse 38. Acts 13. 
in verse 38. The favorite place that people who believe in being baptized for your salvation, the favorite place that they go is the book of Acts. And yet the book of Acts says that Christ takes away our sin. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, uh, Paul is preaching. He says, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, speaking Jesus, the man, the God-man, is preached unto you, what? I, through Jesus, is preached the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that, what? That believe are justified. Justified meaning pardoned, forgiven, from how many things? from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Romans chapter 3, go to the right, find Romans chapter 3 in verse 25. If you go in verse 23, we know verse 23, you use it when you're given the gospel out, great verse, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's a fact. Verse 24, here's another fact. Being justified how, what's the next word? Freely, by His grace, through the redemption. That's Redemption is when He pays off our debt that is in Christ Jesus, not in water. Verse 25, speaking of Christ, it says, Whom God hath set forth. You know what it means to set something forth? It means to make Him the center point of your attention. He set Christ in, uh, into the world and says, Now look at Him. God set him forth to be a propitiation, the full payment, through faith in the, his water. No, it's faith in his blood to declare his righteousness, here are our words, for what? For those remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. John, when he said, be baptized for the remission of sins, was he saying that baptism would remit, remit your sins? No, he was saying, you better get baptized in preparation for the remission of your sins. Now, he then goes on. Let's see, why am I don't, I'm on the wrong page. Oh, let's go to Ephesians. Yeah, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Before I go any further here, Ephesians chapter 1. Two more verses here on this. And this is a summary. Good night. We could spend a week of Sunday evenings just looking at salvation is in Christ, not in anything else. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, when it says in whom, it says in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his what? The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So which saves, water or blood? The blood. That's why when Paul gets ready to preach, he says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the cross, to preach the blood, to preach what Christ did on the cross, because his blood paid for our sin. Hebrews 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. I like this. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Not everything can be paid for by the blood of a sacrifice. But watch this. Um, without the shedding of blood is no what? All right, now let me, let me, throw, let me, let me confuse you for a minute. 
John the Baptist says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Sounds like you need to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins. That's what it sounds like, right? But for those six or seven times he says that, there's 40 times that we find out there is no remission without the blood. You see the difference? So one of them is him preparing people for the remission of sins. Let's go on. He then demands public confession of sins. He's got a load of people who come out to hear him preach, and then he demands them, get off your Todd, get down here, and I want you to own up to the fact you're wicked. What a humiliating thing. You know, what he, you know who he was talking to? What kind of people was John the Baptist preaching to? Tell me. Sinners, yes, but... Uh... What nationality? Jews. How self-righteous have the Jews been for the longest time? And he was demanding them to stand up and say, I'm wicked. I am wrong. Because he demanded of them, he says, confess your sins. Now, that does not mean go into a little box and confess to a guy who's dressed like mother but wants to be called father. He never said to go to a confessional box and try to get absolved of his sin. He said, stand up here publicly and say, I confess that I have done wrong. Don't have to be real specific, but they just came out and everybody humbled themselves. Again, baptism was a humiliating thing for a Jew. For anybody if they do it right the public confession of sin and lastly he demanded belief in the messiah go to john chapter one john gospel of john chapter one now i won't have time for questions tonight but next sunday night we'll open it up for questions but john chapter one and verse seven says this well, start in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was, what was his name? John. John. This is John the Baptist. Verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might what? So he came demanding, believe who I am pointing to. Go to John chapter 1 verse 29. We already read it there, but read it again. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Verse 36, still in John 1. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. Why would he do that? What were the Jews used to bringing to the temple? What were they always thinking about every year at the Day of Atonement and on the Passover? What were they used to focusing on? Lambs. Countless lambs throughout their history. And John's saying, that's the final lamb. That's the lamb of God, which will take away the sin of the world. Now, he's not only the forerunner of the Messiah, the preacher, he also is the baptizer. Do you know he's the first person in history to baptize? There was no baptism of believers in the Old Testament. John was called the baptizer because he started it all. He started this baptism thing. Go to 1 Corinthians. And I want you to see in the, well, I'll, tell you, I'll say that for next week. Don't do it. Don't go here. I'll talk about that more next week. Baptism was something brand new introduced by John. Now, what's the meaning of baptism? 
It means immersion. It means submersion. How many of you know, get to hear the word submarine? The reason why it's called a submarine means it can go underwater. So baptism means submersion, soaking, covering, not dipping, sprinkling, or pouring water on someone. Matthew 3, Matthew chapter 3. I'm taking you all over just because we don't want to take too long, but I want to show you some important scriptures here. And I can give you my notes. The notes will be online. But Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says this. Jesus, when he was baptized, he went up straightway, next four words, out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 38. We'll go back to verse 36. And as they went on their way, you got Philip and the eunuch. As they went on their way, Acts 8, 36, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, what was wrong with that request? If water baptism is what you need to get saved, why not just stop and get them baptized? Did you know all the new Bibles, I'm going to say, Almost all the new Bibles leave it right like that. As soon as the eunuch says, can I get baptized? The very next verse is deleted, and they go down to verse 38, and it says, he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both underwater, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. What is missing is in verse 37. What does verse 37 say in your King James Bible? Only if you believe. And not believe in the water but believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. So, um, verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still as soon as he believed that, and they went down both where? Into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him, and when they were come up out of the water, so there's no sprinkling, no dipping, no sp- no pouring of water on anybody who got baptized. Now, baptized. Let me, let me show you three baptisms, and this may help you understand what was John doing, what does God do, and what do we do now, okay? There are three baptisms to focus on, all right? You need to mark these down and understand these. Number one, John's baptism, his water baptism was first. Acts chapter 2, go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Acts 2.36, John's the first baptizer. He's up there and he's saying, repent, be baptized. He is water baptizing right from the start. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, here's Peter calling on men to do that baptism. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and what? What's the Hebrew word for Christ? Messiah. So Jesus is the Messiah. Make that sure you understand that. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Well, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Um, Now, Who is he speaking to? 
Look in verse 36. Therefore let all the house of who? Of Israel. Now go down there to verse uh, 38. Um, Repent and be baptized every one of you Jews. So these guys are not saved. They're not getting baptized because they're, uh, they're saved. They are getting the baptism that gets them ready to believe that they had just killed the Messiah in, 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 in preparation for them to believe the Messiah. Because I'll show you. Look at Acts 13 and verse 24. If anybody tells you you need to go by Acts 2.38, tell them you're not a Jew. It does not apply to you. It doesn't apply to me. It applies to the Jews before they, got, they get saved. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 24. When John had first preached before Jesus' is coming, the baptism of repentance to who? So who was John preaching to? Israel. He was demanding of them all those things we just saw. Go to Acts chapter 19 and verse 4. 19 and verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, huh, that they should believe on him which should come after him. So what did he do first? He preached. He expected repentance. They were baptized. And they were supposed to look forward to the coming of the Messiah. How many of you got baptized before you got saved? Every one of us, all right? But we weren't aware of it. We were children, infants. It's nothing like that baptism there. So the point is this. John's water baptism pointed to the remission of sins that would come from the Messiah. It was only for the Jews. And um, uh, it was for a time and then it was done. Because there's a second baptism. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I said second, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How many remember, we're, I don't have time to go there, but John said this in Matthew chapter 3. He said, actually also in Mark chapter 1, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there comes someone I'm not worthy of untying his, his shoelaces who will baptize you with what? With the Holy Ghost. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. And the second baptism you need to understand is the baptism by the Holy Spirit of a believer into Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. For as the body, the human body, is one unit and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is who? So what is Paul doing? He's using an illustration of the human body. He says... Your body has a nose, ears, eyes, fingers, toes. It's got lots of members, and yet you're one body. And then Paul says this, so also is Christ. Verse 13, for by one baptizer, is that what, does it say that? By one man, are we all baptized in one body? No, by one spirit, are we all baptized into one spiritual body? whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we've all been made to drink into one river, right? Uh, into one spirit. Uh, go to Galatians chapter 3. Go to the right, go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. 
Galatians 3, verse 26. I am racing, and I apologize, but it is Sunday night. Galatians 3, 26 to 28 says this. This has got to be a nightmare for people who believe in works salvation because the Bible says this, for we are all the children of God by baptism. Not at all. What does it say? By faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into a river. Oh, baptized into Christ. Have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one where? In Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 6. Go back to the left. Find Romans 6. And verse 3, Romans 6 and verse 3, <clears throat> know you not that so many of us as were baptized into water, were baptized, no, that's not what it says. As many as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. How many can quote uh, Galatians 2.20? Who can quote that? Raise your hand. Galatians 2.20. Tony. Hold. Think about that thought. I am crucified with Christ. How was that possible? That was 2,000 years ago. It's a spiritual connection. All right? So being baptized into Christ is something spiritual. It has nothing to do with water or anything. Go ahead. I am crucified with Christ. Amen. Keep going. All right? That little verse is so much information, but where did Jesus move into when you got saved? It says, uh, um, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So there is something happened where he now lives in me, and I have been placed where? For by one spirit are we all baptized into Christ. So when people talk about baptism, they're talking about one of three. John's baptism, the second one is a spiritual baptism, where it is not literal baptism into water. It happens the moment you got saved. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know what was needed. But God took me and put me into salvation himself. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. It is for every believer, whether you're Jew or Gentile. What was John's baptism for? Only the Jews. Here comes baptism by the Holy Spirit is for every believer. It, it is the work of God in response to our faith in Christ. And we've been placed marvelously into the Messiah. Go to 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 17, you need to hear yourself read these verses. I don't have time to have you read them, but you need to realize the weight of these scriptures. Therefore, if any man be in water, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. As far as God's concerned, old things of your past are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, John's water baptism was first. Saving baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit of believer into Christ, is second. 
And then the third is a believer's water baptism that pictures the remission of sin. And it is only for believers. Go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. Acts 8, 12. Philip is preaching. It says, when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, when they believed, they were what? They were baptized. So which came first, belief or baptism? Belief. Now they're getting baptized after they are believing on Christ. Go to Acts 19, verse 4. Acts 19 and verse 4. Now go back to verse 3. Well, boy, go to verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Now, that doesn't mean that they're saved. You don't know who. They're just disciples. And he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And he said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he, Paul, said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto whose baptism? So they've been baptized by John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe. You get baptized, but that doesn't save you. You need to believe on him which should come after him. That is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were then baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Water baptism in the New Testament, water baptism for the, for the believers, is the one we focus on. Whether you realize it or not, the moment you got saved, you were baptized into Christ, and Christ was baptized into you. He is in you, and you're in Him. And if you think you can lose your salvation, you forget who's holding you. Amen. Believer's baptism is only for believers. It's only for after salvation. It is a ceremony. It marks the public confession of faith. You've got to be able to say, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. He's the Son of God who died for me. It is a public confession of faith and a decision to follow the life of Christ. That's all baptism is now. You're just deciding, I'm coming out of the closet. I, I have been, I've been saved. I repented. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm making it public. I'm following the one who died and was buried and rose again for me. That's, that's the only one that we ever have any, anything to deal with. God takes care of that one, and John's baptism is finished. Does that make sense? So water baptism has no part in the gospel. Go to 1 Corinthians 1, and we'll finish with two more verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 17, I want you to listen to these words. For Christ sent me to baptize. Is that what it says? No. Who, who can say, God sent me to baptize? Who can say that? John. But that wasn't the baptism that removed anything. All right, let's look at this. Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. 
Not with fancy words of wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. If you promote baptism, guess what you're doing to the cross? You are demeaning the cross. You're making a mockery of what Christ did on the cross, and you're elevating baptism, and you're making baptism more special, more powerful, when it's all the cross. Verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Anybody who believes that you've got to be baptized to be saved is lost. Do you understand? It, the cross will be foolish to them. They believe you've got to do something more. But it goes on. But unto us which are saved, the cross was the power of God. 1 Peter 2, last scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 24. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter 2, 24. Look at verse 23. It says this, speaking of Jesus, who when he was reviled, he reviled not back again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But he committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So what will heal your soul? What will heal your relationship with God? The cross. The cross and only the cross. Now, by way of conclusion, John was someone special who would announce the arrival of the Messiah. He was someone who would turn the nation of Israel to God. And he didn't preach to the Gentiles. He preached to the Jews. He demanded that people repent. He demanded that people get publicly baptized to show that repentance. He demanded that people prepare for the remission of sins, not receive the remission of sins. He uh, demanded that people make a public confession of sin. And he demanded that people believe on the coming Messiah. That was John. We talked about those three baptisms. Somebody remember, what was the first one? John's baptism, which was for what people group? Jews. What's the second baptism? It's the Holy Spirit baptism. Who's the third? What's the third baptism? Baptism after you believe. Which one's the most important baptism? By being baptized into Jesus Christ. The Spirit baptism. I, listen, everybody ought to get saved and as soon as possible get baptized. But if you don't get baptized, are you saved or not? And yet, if you believe that you have to be baptized to be saved, no matter how much you believe, no matter how much you repent, no matter how much you want to follow Jesus, you are still going to hell until you get down in some dirty water and have some filthy, wicked sinner stand up there and profess that you're now forgiven. That's just as bad as a confessional booth. That's just as wicked as some man standing up there and absolving, claiming to absolve people's sin because he claims to be a priest. It is wicked. It is wrong. It is heresy. It is evil. And it has affected our church. So I had to deal with this thing. And we're going to deal with it more next week. It'll be a little more fun next week. Water baptism is not part of the gospel. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Because the gospel is only the cross of Christ. That's the good news that Christ took your place. End of story. All right, we've got to stop there. We're going to have a brief business meeting. And um, 
And next week we will deal with some more things.